Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And on today's episode, I have a very special guest. His name is Chris Christensen, and he is actually an avid uh, podcaster, blogger, writer, and traveler. Uh, he's uh, the founder of Amateur Traveler, which has already close to 500 episodes. And I was luckily enough, one of those 500, I talked about my time in Brazil. And uh, you can check out that one. I'll actually have a link to the show notes. Uh, and uh, he's w well known in the travel industry uh, in terms of speaking, podcasting, blogging, writing, uh, connecting, uh, you know, uh, travel media, travel writers, etc. Uh, so besides Amateur Traveler, uh, Chris has a few other podcasts, uh, This Week in Travel, and uh, he also has a, a, a Bible-based one, too. Uh, we both happen to be Christians. And uh, he also has a great uh, company called Blogger Bridge. So we have a lot to cover in about 30 or 40 <laughs> minutes. So looking forward to the interview. Uh, Chris, uh, why don't you share, in your own words, a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Well, first of all, Amateur Traveler actually hit 500 episodes more than a year ago. So <laughs> it's at 560 episodes or so right now. Uh, so I am uh, a nerd. Uh, I'm basically make a living and have made a living for years as a software engineer in Silicon Valley. Then 18 years in venture-backed startup companies. And then uh, I have this Love for travel, obviously. Amateur Traveler is about 12 years old, but I've been traveling, obviously, before that. Uh, I have... Uh, I've been out of college for more than 12 years, let's just say, and uh, so we did a lot of travels with our kids when they were younger, and including international travel once they got to be, say, old enough to that we thought that they would remember it. So we still do a fair amount of travel. I do more now because I work only uh, part-time and when I'm in town. <laughs> so I managed to work my way into a software consulting kind of lifestyle where I make less money than I used to, but I travel a lot more. So. So, you know, before we got into the, the podcasting and the business side of things, I'd love to hear about your own travels. So uh, you mentioned you, do, you used to do a lot of family travel, and mm -hmm. you still obviously do a lot of travel, uh, jumping on and off planes. So well, walk us through some of the major travel you've done in terms of the continents and countries you have visited. Okay. Um, I've been to 57 countries or something like that, uh, more than one per year of age. Um, I have not been to Antarctica. I have been to the other continents, although I've done more travel in Europe, for instance, than I've done in South America. I've only done one trip down there, some trips in Central America. Uh, so been a lot of places in the U.S. I will have gotten to 49 states by the end of this year. Uh, right now I've been to 48, and that will still leave me with uh, poor little North Dakota um, and, you know, there's a couple of those like Oklahoma that I need to go back to and actually see something. <laughs> I've been there, haven't really seen anything. So, you know, there's a few places I need to get back to in that sort of thing. So we've done a fair amount of, when I was a kid, we did really more inter, more U.S. travel. Uh, the only places I had been to outside the U.S. before I was 20, 26 or something like that were... Uh, Canada, Western Canada only, Alberta and British Columbia, and that's the only places I've been outside the U.S., so uh, most of my travel has been in the second half of my life. Uh, you know, very impressive there that you've been to six continents uh, in the second half of your life, everything except Antarctica, and I'm actually at the same place as you are, um, you know, uh, six continents and only Antarctica left to go. Yeah. Uh, and for those of you listening, we actually uh, do videos as well on YouTube. And uh, right behind you, Chris, there's actually two maps, the U.S. map <laughs> and a world map. And you have, like, it looks like there's sticky notes on the U.S. map. Well, Walk the, us through 
Yeah, the U the U.S. map has sticky notes. That's actually not my trip. That was uh, when my son and my wife's niece, uh, my wife's niece, lived with us for about four years, taking care of her grandmother uh, before she uh, died. And uh, she was driving cross country from here back to New York, and my son drove with them. And so we have uh, still marked on the map their uh, their road trip on there. But there's also pins in both maps for places I've been to. Although I think they're a little out of date right now, but uh, it's still. <laughs> Still useful for me being a traveler, being able to look up at the map every once in a while and go, where is that again? Or when I'm interviewing somebody, you know, just giving some idea of what, where places are. So I like having maps in, around me, even if I don't use them all that often. It gives me a reminder of why I love doing what I'm doing. Yeah, absolutely. Back uh, where I'm from, uh, Vancouver, BC, Canada, at our home, uh, we used to have a map, uh, which was a scratchy map. Uh, so basically, you scratch oh, okay. places <laughs> you have to, and uh, it really motivated me. And because I haven't been to Russia yet, um, so much of the map is unfilled. And I know once I hit Russia, <laughs> my map will look a lot more complete. So looking forward to Russia. Um, yeah, yeah just the fact that I've been to Russia and China and Canada and the U.S., my map looks fuller <laughs> in terms of countries I've been to. But, you know, I've been to a little corner of Russia. I've been to, you know, four or five cities in China. So, you know, you, it kind of cheats when you when you do that. There's still a lot of Canada I haven't been to as far as that's concerned. So, lo so many places to go, so little time. Now, was that a scratch and sniff map if you scratched off... Uh, Russia, did it smell like borscht? Or that was, that's, that's the kind of map I want, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just a scratch map alone. I think that's a good, uh, you know, kickstart idea, a scratch and sniff map uh, based on the sense of the country. So you can feel like that's you're right. there. Scratch off yeah. uh, Vietnam, get some pho smell, you know, that, that's what, that would be good. There you go, there you go. Million-dollar idea, you know, feel free to steal it if you're listening and watching. Uh, Chris, I'm curious to know about the history of the Amateur Traveler. You mentioned you started it uh, in 2005, so about, uh, uh, so walk us through the journey. Uh, you know, when you were, uh, the very first episode onwards, and I know probably sure. cringe at the thought of your first episode compared to now, uh, you mentioned like 500 plus episodes now, uh, but walk us through the journey. It's amazing. You've been podcasting for 12 years continuously. I, I could probably even listen to my first episode and not and not have a terrible visceral reaction. It hasn't changed. I don't know that it's changed all that much uh, over the years, but it certainly changed once I started editing the show, for instance. That made a big difference in terms of the sound and the quality of it. And certainly, I have learned over the years to speak in a more deliberate fashion. Uh, fewer O's and A's and things like that than I used to have probably when I started. But of course... I'm not doing all the talking. Somebody else like you is coming on and telling us about a destination they've been to most of the time, which is why we still edit the show. But the show started basically at the dawn of podcasting way back in the day. So podcasting started basically in sometime around September of 2004. And I got interested in podcasting, became aware of it when one of the tech shows that I listened to was canceled. And so it turned into a podcast. And that was This Week in uh, This Week in tech, which is still out there and it's still a popular show uh, with Leo Laporte. And so he introduced me to podcasting in something like January, February of 2005. And I started looking for more podcasts and listening to more podcasts that were out there and thought, well, I want to do a podcast. You know, what do I want to do? And I thought, well, I could do a tech podcast. And 
But Adam Christensen, no relation, and not quite spelled the same, had already started his show just a little bit before me. So it's like, well, you know, there's already a Mac show out there. That's probably what I would do. We don't need two of those, which is ridiculous because, of course, there's many more than two of those that now. And I thought about doing a religious show, and I do now, but I, I didn't. Uh, that wasn't the first show I did. And then I had some friends come over for a Memorial Day picnic. And we started swapping stories, as you do with friends around the backyard barbecue and all the best stories for travel stories. And I said, that's it. I'm, I'm doing my own show, and it's going to be a show all about my travels. Now, that was rather foolish because I was working a full-time job, and I was traveling four weeks a year, and I was trying to podcast 48 weeks a year. And that math doesn't really work out that well. So within the first four to six months, I started doing interviews and actually found that I enjoyed those shows more because I've already heard my own stories. So I get to hear somebody else's travels and got to hear about someplace maybe that I haven't been to or maybe that I haven't been to in a while or it's on my list to get to or it should be on my list to get to, but you know I didn't know about it. And so it very quickly turned into a, well, I say very quickly, you know, now in retrospect, it very quickly turned into a show that was about interviews of places of where people had been. So sometimes we have people like you who are travelers who've been there. Sometimes we have locals who are talking about their local city. Sometimes we have guidebook writers, bloggers, podcasters, uh, basically trying to cover the globe with places that are worthwhile for a North American traveler to go to. And we tend to focus on a one-week itinerary because I'm targeting a listener who is a normal not a nomad, but somebody with a job who's trying to figure out how they can travel more maybe, but it basically has as much vacation as they have. And so we'll focus on just what can you do in a week to two weeks in some destination that's worth flying to for a North American traveler. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. And it's almost like you could have an infinite number of episodes because there's so many different towns, <laughs> countries, and continents in the world. And you've only covered a uh, only, I say quote-unquote only, because uh, <laughs> it's actually a lot of work to uh, record over 500 episodes over 12 years. But well, you, you probably, now some of those episodes are probably 12 years old, too, so we're recovering some of the same destinations because, you know, everything you said about Las Vegas 12 years ago, for instance, is just not true. You can't stay in that hotel. They tore it down. <laughs> so some places don't change as much when you go to Paris, you're still probably going to go to the Louvre. You're still probably going to go to the Eiffel Tower. Some things change, some things don't. So it's surprising how long the shows are listened to, how many people will come back later on when they're planning a trip and download something older. But we do try and refresh you know, the things that are more interesting periodically. So for instance, you were on doing a show about Brazil. We did a show about Brazil, about you know where should you go with a one-week itinerary 10 years ago or something like that. It, we probably named some of the same places, but still, it's a chance to update it. And of course, I have a different audience than I did 10 years ago. It's funny you mentioned that because now I actually have been, uh, you know, kind of intrigued to actually watch, uh, listen to that episode and compare the other. <laughs> you didn't do that ahead of time? <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't actually listen to that one. So now I'm going to actually go back and listen to it to see how different our recommendations were if we recommended the sure, same thing. Sure. Overlap, so you know I'm going to actually listen to that one. Well, there's uh, so also how, an episode on Rio de Janeiro, which we talked about somewhat on your show. There's one that focuses just on Rio. So, so roughly, how many countries have you con uh, conquered or covered in the in the 500 plus episodes? Oh gosh, I don't have a list of that. There's a map. Uh, if you go to 
the website, I think on the top page, there's a link to a map, which is a Google map with all of the episodes listed. And there's, you know, we haven't covered Congo. We have no, sorry, we've covered Congo. We haven't covered Chad. <laughs> you know, we haven't covered some countries. Uh, we have come, covered some that you probably wouldn't want to travel to right now because things changed since we talked about Yemen or things changed since we talked about Syria. But uh, we have covered quite a few countries. Not a lot of big holes in the map. Still some in Central Africa that I can think of. But, and we haven't covered every state in the U.S. But we've got, we're working on that. Well, that's pretty impressive. You know, close to 193, which is the United Nations number of countries. So I'm pretty sure you're going to complete it. Uh, the, you know, the more options <laughs> you do, the more you'll be. And by the way, um, you know, for those of you who are in those countries that uh, Chris is missing, uh, reach out to Chris because uh, maybe you can help him fill the map so then he'll have all <laughs> 193 episodes covered. Um, and, you know, uh, it's amazing you've done uh, 500 plus uh, episodes. For me, I'm actually at about 175 now, and I know how much work it is to schedule sure, uh, yeah. people, uh, with time zones and different cities, countries, commitments, and then tech issues. So uh, good on you for what you've done. Uh, but it wasn't enough, was it, Chris? It wasn't enough to have <laughs> one podcast with 500 plus episodes. You, you, you had to go on, and I think you're now doing, I think, four or so. Walk us through some of the other podcasts besides Amateur Traveler. Yeah, so This Week in Travel is the second, well, no, actually, the Bible Study Podcast, second most popular show I do. This, the third most, the second most popular travel show I do is This Week in Travel, and that one is for travelers, but it also focuses a lot of on a lot of things for travel writers, bloggers, editors, and so we'll talk, for instance, about the TBEX conference or something like that that, that is really not targeted towards regular travelers, but on the other hand, the last episode we did had somebody on talking about uh, frequent flyer miles and points and different deals and things like that. So, so sometimes we're doing conversations that are around things useful for a regular traveler. But really, I'd say our target audience in that is somebody like me, somebody who is a travel blogger, writer, that just if you looked at the content we create, that's probably the target for that. And then I do a, a much smaller and much newer show. That has only done seven episodes, I think, so far. So we just launched this two months ago. Uh, Life Pedersen and I uh, do a show targeting travel marketing and PR uh, representatives. And so we're really talking about the business of travel from a marketing and PR point of view. So that's part of the FIR podcast network for immediate release podcast network. And that's the Passport Travel Marketing and PR podcast. Well, yeah, definitely impressive that you have uh, three different travel shows and then also you have a <laughs> faith-based one about um, uh, Bible study. Uh, walk us through that one quickly, too. What is that one about? Well, it, the name of the show is The Bible Study Podcast. Uh, it, it, it's, it's kind of fairly fairly self-explanatory. We'll do a, either a book-based study or we'll do a theme-based study, and I kind of switch back and forth between those. And, and that one is also over 500 episodes. So all told between all the podcasts, I am somewhere over 1,300 episodes. I think maybe less than 1,400, or maybe I've hit that already. I, I haven't been paying attention. Well, I don't know if you're in the Guinness Book of World Records of this. No, no, no. I know people who have more episodes than that, even with one show. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's actually uh, that's actually something uh, I'd, I'd be curious about. Who has recorded the most number of episodes uh, combined, either one show or multiple shows? Do you know that number? I don't, but I would say that you'd have a good bet that it might be somebody, for instance, like Leo Laporte, who's been doing it for so long and has multiple shows. 
odd father who basically had the first podcast. So I, you know, it's, there have been people who've been in it for a long time. Um, uh, Todd Cochran from Raw Voice, who does multiple shows and has done them also again for twelve plus years. I'd say he'd be in contention. So there's there's certainly people out there who have done a lot of shows for a long time. And I, it could easily be somebody I just don't know who's been <laughs> podcasting daily about underwater basket weaving and I'm just not their audience. <laughs> there you go. Hey, you, you've given me all this homework i got to look up after the show now, Chris. So, yeah. uh, you know. <laughs> uh, so uh, Chris, uh, we've covered... There used uh, to be a lot fewer of us podcasters, so we knew each other more. <laughs> so. Right, exactly, exactly. And I mean, even now, it's a, it's a tight segment, even though it is growing exponentially. Uh, you know, nowadays, more and more people are finding it there's an easier barrier of entry. Before, it was a lot diff oh, sure. more difficult. Uh, yeah, but obviously the editing and uploading and all that uh, makes it difficult. Uh, do you have any tips, by the well, way, uh, for people who want to podcast? Let me just tell you that. <laughs> tips for people who want to podcast. Uh, when <laughs> the first thing I think of is just be aware of how much work we're going to talk about. So I do a mention an edited show. To edit a show... A, a level of editing where you take out ums and ahs and missteps and statements that started but didn't stop and things like that takes roughly an hour for every 10 minutes of audio. Uh, so that's a lot of work. You can obviously just do a turn the recorder on, record a show and turn it off. That's going to be much more casual. So it depends a lot on what type of show you're doing when you're doing a four-person conversation show for instance like this we can travel editing is just a fool's errand and so that one you're going to have much more rough and but you're going to have more fun recording it because it's a bunch of people who like hanging out together although they're doing it online having a conversation around a topic they like so that's one of the easiest shows to do but scheduling can be a hassle especially if you happen to be working with a bunch of people who travel. So we have done an episode of This Week in Travel with four of us on there. So there's usually three hosts and a guest and from four different continents. So that one is just a pain in the butt to try and schedule because of the our various travel schedules. So that one does not come out as a weekly show. It just It just can't, <laughs> not with all of us on there. Uh, so besides uh, all of your travels, all of your podcasting, you have a whole other company called Blogger Bridge. Um, so walk us through the formation of the company, the origin story there. Why did you start it up, and uh, how does it work? So I started out of frustration, <laughs> as so many of these during. So I have been involved in the TBEX conference, the Travel Blog Exchange conference, since it started in 2009. And that's the, tra the largest travel blogging conference in the world. And I've been to all but one of the different conferences that they've had. I think they've had, uh, I think the next one's going to be the 18th. And then now they do three a year on three continents. But I got involved in that very early on. And the person who used to own it was going to do something like BloggerBridge. They were going to have a online directory of travel bloggers that you could sign up for, and then they would help you connect with companies. And I thought that was a great idea, but it just never happened. And I kept waiting for it to happen. I waited a couple of years, I think, for it to happen and finally said, well, I'm a software engineer. I could, I could write this. But the problem I had is I could write it, but could I get anybody to sign up? Could I get companies to sign up? Could I get people to sign up? And so I actually reached out to Rick Calvert, the current owner of TBEX, and said, I, I'm, here's an idea I have. I don't know if this would be of any interest. And 
he was actually getting pitched people who wanted to pay him money for something like that that he didn't have. So we, for a while, uh, for about a year and a half, we went into business together with BloggerBridge, where we still work together, but we're no longer in business together. But the idea was that he would sell it and, and I would create it. He was a little busy to actually commit to something like that, which is why we're we're just friends now. <laughs> we changed our, our relationship status, but I still work with them. And when you go to a TBEX conference, for instance, or a couple other conferences that we've had and you sign up for speed networking, which is one of the things they do at that conference, you're actually signing up and creating a blogger bridge account. So that helps me create incentive for people to sign up. If you send somebody an email and say, hey, we've got yet another blogging you know, thing, sign up and maybe you'll get something cool. Maybe they'll sign up, maybe they won't. If you're at a conference and they say, if you want to meet with, say, visit Jordan and possibly get a free trip to Jordan, you know, then you should, then you have to sign up. It's a very different thing. And so we'll get thousands of people uh, to sign up in the system right now. And then, you know, we go out and we pitch that to companies to the extent that I have time to do sales for it, which is where it falls down right now. But we have a number of destinations in there and companies and things like that. And so there are opportunities um, all the time that come up. We had a couple of opportunities recently like fam trips to Minnesota. And I, it was another fam trip that I can't think of what it is, a familiarization trip or a press trip. So we've had ones this year. Visit Britain did one, for instance, for soccer fans. They were looking for fans of UK soccer to bring them to uh, some events in England are based around soccer or there was one for uh, Air Berlin has done one now for the last three years where they're bringing some bloggers over for the carnival. There's a big carnival celebration in Dusseldorf, Germany. I'm not sure if you're aware of this. Is a, there's a parade that has, I think it's 1.3 million people line the parade route. And I had a chance three years ago to go to that, on that particular trip and to be on the float during the parade, uh, waving at the crowds. And the crowds look like what in the U.S. would be a Halloween crowd. So they're all in costumes, and it's quite fun. It's a quite fun event. And so we'll have things like that on the Blogger Bridge, so special events. Or we'll also have things like Context Travel, for instance, has been a long time special. Uh, I want to say sponsor, but uh, customer of Blogger Bridge, and they run tours now. I think in twenty-four different uh, cities around the U.S., and they work a fair amount with travel bloggers, for instance, so that they are watching at a, ten cities at a time. And if you book a trip, for instance, to Rio, and you're in Blogger Bridge, and your schedule is in Blogger Bridge, and we make that easy to do by syncing up, for instance, with TripIt. If you keep track of your travel in TripIt, which is a free application, which is really easy to use to keep track of your travel. Uh, it's a good application whether or not you're a travel blogger. Uh, when you get, for instance, a acknowledgement of your airfare ticket, you can just forward that to plans at tripit.com and it'll make an itinerary. And so I don't know where I am <laughs> if I don't look in my Tripit. And my wife doesn't know where I am because I travel enough now. And so <laughs> I love that app and we sync up with it so that if I put something Basically, if I get an airline ticket or a hotel reservation and just forward those plans over, it'll create an itinerary, and that night, Blogger Bridge will pick that up. And if I happen to be going someplace where Context has tours, then they'll ping me and say, hey, I see you're heading off to Rio, and we do some walking tours of Rio or the food scene or whatever it is they're doing there. They're often doing things with uh, archaeologists or 
architects doing architecture tour or something like that to, that's kind of a deep dive into the culture. And so they're a great uh, partner with uh, Blogger Bridge. So that's kind of what Blogger Bridge does. Awesome, man. Yeah, definitely a great uh, resource uh, to connect uh, bloggers and uh, build the bridge um, with, with uh, bloggers and PR companies. Uh, curious to know about how you're monetizing all of this, Chris. Uh, you travel. <laughs> Podcast. I, I, mon I monetize all this. Uh, I mean, I make money on Amateur Traveler. I make money on Blogger Bridge. Uh, we make, but I just to put it in perspective, we made more money over this last year because we rent out three rooms in our house through long-term rentals than I did with those two combined. I think so. I and I live in Silicon Valley. I live in a you know two-story house in Silicon Valley, so I have a mortgage. I'm not a nomad, and so I make a living basically being a, a part-time uh, travel, uh, travel, part-time software engineer. And so I basically do con contract software engineering. My target for this year is around 670 hours of contract work, and that's enough to to make a living on. So and that's l roughly half time of the weeks that I'm in town. So at roughly 20 hours a week, but I'm only in town for not sure exactly how many months I travel these days, but probably at least three months a year I'm on the road someplace. Um, tend to be shorter trips, not longer trips like you're doing. <laughs> but you know, for instance, I'm heading out on the first to do a press trip, to do a Holland America cruise in the Western Mediterranean. So that's from the 1st to the 17th that I'm home the 18th and the 19th I'm heading to Mexico uh, with some friends. This is nothing to do with anything, but some friends want a trip to San Miguel de Allende. So we're going there for a week and, and then I'm back for three days and then I'm heading off for another two weeks to New York, Nova Scotia and Quebec with a family trip. And so, you know, the, uh, it's good that software contracting pays fairly well so that I can afford to do that. I can do that somewhat from the road, but also I can afford to do that only part-time and still put a roof over my head in Silicon Valley. So, Well, sounds good. And, you know, uh, thanks for being on the show in the midst of your hectic travels. I know you're, uh, you know. <laughs> I'm home. I've been home most of uh, June and July. Uh, well, wow. there was one one-week one trip to Yukon uh, that snuck in at the last minute. The last minute, uh, hey, would you like to go to the Yukon next week trip? But other than that, I've been home for two months because my, my wife had uh, some elective surgery, so we I stayed home while her knee healed. So, but uh, this was a chance to make some money here in the summer and <laughs> do good things with a bank account. <laughs> there you go, uh, and uh, obviously that will allow you to extend your travels and beyond. I'm curious right. to know about the vision going forward, Chris. So you have all of these podcasts. You have the blogger brand. <laughs> uh, you, you travel avidly. Uh, what is your vision going forward for your life, for your travels, for your business, for your podcasts? So the, uh, the, there is a strategy between all, <laughs> all of this. I, I don't just do podcasts uh, because I like doing podcasts. Uh, so, for instance, the strategy for amateur travelers is that that gets me travel opportunities and invitations. Uh, because it is a popular show, because, you know, this month we will do, oh, I think probably over 150,000 downloads of that show um, for Amateur Traveler. And so that makes it one of the leading travel podcasts. And so I get invited to things. So so that's the strategy for, I, I make some money with it, but it also gets me wonderful opportunities. I 
got me to the White House. It got me playing paparazzi for the Pope for a day. I mean, some weird opportunities sometimes happen because of that show. Um, and weird things. You know, you get emails like from the Thailand Foreign Ministry saying, we'd like to use your show as part of our our test for English proficiency. So if you go to get a job with the Thailand foreign ministry, you have to listen to two episodes of Amateur Traveler. So that's that's one of the reasons I do that show. And then there's um, This Week in Travel, one of the, the strategy for that really was when Gary Arndt and I started that, neither one of us was very well known at all in the travel industry. And you said I was well known in the travel industry. I don't know if I don't know if that's quite true, but it's certainly much more true than it was when we started that show in 2009. And our real strategy was we partnered with Jen Leo, who knew so many people, and she introduced us to a lot of the people that we now know who are travel editors and, and people like that. And some of the awards that both of us have won have absolutely come through that show because of the contacts we made. Because I know that, for instance, uh, 2014 and won the Smitty Award from Travel and Leisure is the best independent travel journalist. Gary won that the year before. Well, at least one of the judges had been on our show before and became aware of us, I think, through that opportunity. So that strategy, you know, that's the strategy of why we do that show is it, it leads to other opportunities, but it also is fun to do, relatively easy to do, and just basically expands our footprint. The strategy for the new show, for instance, is similar. It's to build up business for Blogger Bridge and things like that by becoming better known within the travel marketing and PR business. And that can lead to more business for Amateur Traveler as well as more business for Blogger Bridge. I kind of wear two hats on that show. Sometimes I'm representing the business of travel PR and what Blogger Bridge does, and sometimes I'm representing an, an influencer. And so I would like to... So I work kind of three jobs now, all the podcasts, all the consulting and Blogger Bridge, and I'd kind of like to get that down to two maybe sometime. But uh, but for now, this is kind of working. It's I, I'm doing a lot of traveling. The bank account is going up, not down. I couldn't really travel that much more because my wife is working a full-time job and she gets six weeks of vacation a year. But I don't want to travel everywhere without her. We, I kind of like her. We've been married for 36 years. I want to keep married. So, you know, I'm going to be home sometimes anyway. I might as well make some money during those times. So for now, it's a weird mix of things. It's kind of like lifestyle design. I, you know, that's one of those terms I, I don't really necessarily like the whole lifestyle design subculture sometimes, but I relate to it in the sense of, just because we've always done it this way, you get up in the morning and you go work a nine-to-five job and you work 40 hours a week and then you get two weeks off a year, just because we've always done it that way doesn't mean we have to keep doing it that way. And and I definitely have found a, not the typical weird mix, but my own weird mix of things. <laughs> and uh, thanks for sharing all of that. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of uh, people, they might look at podcasters and they're saying, oh, you know, they're just a hobby. They like talking. But uh, I'm glad to hear the strategy behind uh, why you started what you started. Uh, like even for myself, I started Digital Nomad Mastery for a few reasons. One is to inspire others to travel because I've been sure. changing mm -hmm. so much when I travel myself. So I want to inspire others to travel. But uh, on a selfish note, I think it was very much a positioning tool. Um, so sure. position myself as uh, you know an authority in the digital nomad space, and also by interviewing 
other digital nomads, it also uh, gets me access to people I might not have access to normally. Like we've had some uh, big names on the show, um, you know, like the founder of Couchsurfing. I wouldn't normally get to chat with him over, uh, you know, a, I call this a right. Starbucks chat, uh, but uh, <laughs> chatting over a Skype call or a Google Hangout call. But because I have a, a podcast, um, you know, um, Casey Fenton, the founder of Couchsurfing, said, yeah, let's do it. Uh, Gary Arndt, who you mentioned, he's like, yep, yeah, let's do it. Aaron, Aaron Bender, who has one of the biggest travel blogs in the world, Travel Bender, and now Explore with Aaron, she's like, yep, yeah, let's do it. And I had the opportunity to interview her with a brand new launch of Explore with Aaron. And uh, literally, there's uh, 175 other amazing travel uh, travelers um, that I've interviewed. And at the end of the day, you know, if no one listens to it, I get so much insight <laughs> myself. So, um, yeah, you know. One of the funny things that happened to me a few years back now, maybe it was like four or five years ago. So I'd already been doing the show for seven, eight years or something like that. And I got a invitation in the email. My, my email is weird. It, you know, invitations show up occasionally for things that are like, what? Okay. And so this one was to come speak on a panel discussion at the New York Times book conference about guidebooks and the future of guidebooks with like Arthur Fromer or I can't remember who all was on it, but it was, it was like, you know, I've never written a guidebook. <laughs> and they said, well, yeah, we know, but we, we, we value your input in this. And I'm thinking it, it is interesting that the whole strategy of you interview a lot of people. And of course, if you interview a lot of people and you actually learn from them and retain this information, it really does make you smarter. It really do does teach you things. I actually do consulting right now. I'm a, a for small startup companies. Uh, I've done a advisor role. I'm doing one right now and one wrapped up because that company got bought. But it's really fun for me when I go in and I'm advising them about the travel industry. And I've and of course some of that is from amateur traveler and some of that is from what I've learned through Blogger Bridge. And then I also did work for TripAdvisor as an employee for a while and then as a contractor for, yeah, so total contractor and employee for like four and a half years or something like that. So I have picked up a few things and I, and I don't, you don't realize that until you're trying to help somebody else out and they're asking about this and you don't realize that you've actually learned things and not everybody knows that. And I think you, I mean, you must find that with travel even there are people who are still just getting started. Then there's always people who are just getting started, whether it's the nomadic kind of things that you're doing or just regular travel who don't know things that we now take for granted, whether it be the trick about how to use your points to book a flight or whether it be what you don't take through security. I mean, face it, every time you go to the airport, you've seen the people in front of you who are like, what, I can't bring my water through, right? There are always people learning things. It's new to somebody every day. And you have learned a lot along the way. And of course, it's interesting if you can turn it into a, a business, that's great. But in any case, you ought to share it, right? And that's kind of what I'm enjoying doing in that advisory role. Yeah, you know, you mentioned the airport thing. Uh, I always travel with the carry-on now, and I, sure. <laughs> I obviously empty my bottle of waters, or I just uh, don't bring them. And uh, it's so funny, like people pulling out their belts and uh, all of this stuff from their from their uh, pockets and all that. And for me, I kind of know at the, the last game. minute, right? You you pulled out your belt like ten minutes ago at the beginning of the line, and you know you you've got all your your wallet and all your things in your backpack, and you're ready to go. And the person in front of you is like, what? <laughs> Wore the big wore the big metal jewelry to go through to go to the airport. Like seriously, really, come on. 
Yeah, and I think we have to be really grateful for the opportunity yeah. to be able to travel the world like you and mm -hmm. me and you know, um, you know, thousands of others are because most people in the world haven't even left their own town, their own um, yeah. uh, state, their own country. So I, I've been really humbled uh, by my travels in terms of like, oh man, you know, thank you Jesus, uh, you know, for this opportunity to travel. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so to end off here, uh, you know, you've been definitely inspiring to me and to, uh, you know, literally millions of people around the world. If people wanted to connect with you, uh, how can they do that? Uh, your podcast, your blog, your website, et cetera. Uh, well, uh, email is one thing. Uh, my email is chris2x at chris2x.com is the easiest one to remember. Uh, chris2x on Twitter, chris2x on most major social media uh, things is the way to connect with me. The blog is amateurtraveler.com, and that's where you can find both Amateur Traveler and This Week in Travel are on there. Uh, Blog.bloggerbridge.com is where you can find the Passport podcast right now because that's not targeted at travelers. Well, there you go. I'll actually have those links below. So if you're watching this on YouTube, they'll be right in the YouTube description. If you're listening to this on iTunes, they'll actually be on the show notes. Uh, so thanks again for uh, the interview, Chris. It was a great joy and a pleasure to interview you on the show today. Lovely chatting with you. It was lovely chatting with you as well. Uh, so thanks, everyone, for tuning into this episode of Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the videocast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world.